Brenda Seidensticker with 5-5 Farm and Ranch in Brownsboro, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, rain doesn't always make grain. In fact, rain destroyed grain in a few spots of Texas. Of course, we're glad to get all of the rain we've had recently, but these big storms bring more than raindrops. Sometimes they bring big hail. We'll check in with one Texas farmer to see what a hailstorm did to his corn and cotton crops last week. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There are signs of improving conditions in parts of the Texas High Plains, but there are also plenty of signs of how much more rain is needed. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Educating urban food bloggers about agriculture in a field-to-fork event in Southeast Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll go to that event on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan from Marshall taking a little road trip to view some of the East Texas crops and visit over the holiday weekend that we just had, and we'll give you a rundown on what we saw in just a moment. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Much-needed rains have fallen in many areas of West Texas, giving farmers the boost they needed to get this 2022 crop started. But some of those storms brought more than just rain. One night uh, last week, we got a, about seven-tenths of rain and a, and a bad hailstorm northeast of Petersburg on a farm that uh, took out half of our pivot of cotton and then uh, our corn also. That's Tom Gregory. He grows corn, milo, and cotton northeast of Lubbock. He says the hail took out a pivot of cotton and corn. He says the cotton is done for, but he hopes the corn can recover. You know, this corn was uh, planted the 1st of April, so it was about seven-week-old corn, about 10-leaf corn, and it, it looks about like one leaf right now on the north side of the pivot, but it, it definitely shredded it. And, of course, we're going to lose some plants uh, because it knocked it off at the ground. You know, we're going to have a reduced stand, but... Uh, where it sits as far as maturity-wise, we're, we're going to kind of check with it this next week and see if it doesn't recover and start uh, leafing out, which, you know, corn does a lot better job of that than young cotton does. Gregory says he'll replant the cotton that was destroyed this coming week. It's the time of year when sugarcane aphids start making their way across the state in sorghum fields. 
Pioneer field agronomist Ron Joyner says the time to scout in South and Central Texas is right now. Probably a, a, a general rule of thumb is if you have 30% of the leaves with, say, 50 aphids on a leaf. And that's, I'm going to tell you, those things are small and they're hard to count. Texas AgriLife Extension has a great piece on scouting for sugarcane aphids that has some great visuals and some great aphid counts. So you can look at a leaf and tell how, mu- how many are on there. You know, you figure a sorghum plant about this time of year is probably going to have about seven to nine leaves on there. So if you start seeing aphids on every leaf, it's pretty easy to get to that 50 aphids per leaf. And, and if you hit that threshold, it's probably time to do something. Joyner says it's important to check the field edges for aphids, especially if there's a lot of Johnson grass around the field that could be harboring the sugarcane aphid. Leaders of three Texas farm groups met with United States Senator John Cornyn last week in Austin. Members of the Texas Farm Bureau, the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, and the Texas Cattle Feeders Association met with Cornyn to discuss their concerns with the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act introduced by Senators Deb Fisher of Nebraska and Chuck Grassley of Iowa. Senator Cornyn agreed with the group's concerns, especially the government mandate on regional negotiated trade volumes and expressed opposition to the bill. There are signs of improving conditions in many parts of the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt tells us there are also plenty of signs of how much more rain is needed. Going back through the weekly drought monitor maps, you can see recent rains are having an impact in our region. Over the past month, a good number of counties have seen improvement in their drought classifications, getting upgraded from, say, D3 to D2. But not everyone's getting good rains. One county where conditions have actually gotten worse is Oldham County in the western Texas panhandle. Oldham County, which includes Vega, is now in the worst drought classification, D4. And Extension Agent Amanda Spiva says the county has seen the effects of prolonged drought. Not much of the wheat came up this year. It did, but it wasn't very strong. So not as many cattle turned out as we normally do for graze out. Pastures are getting pretty bare. Spiva says there's some talk of increased culling rates come the fall, but for now, ranchers doing what they can. They're probably having to feed a little more protein supplement, either cake or tubs or both. Over in the eastern panhandle, however, things have gotten better. In Collingsworth County, which includes Wellington, Extension Agent Kenny Patterson says the approximately four inches of rain received last week was almost perfect. It was spread out in timely rains and it didn't come all at one big rain. We had one little batch come through that washed out a little bit of cotton that was planted real shallow just trying to dust it up. Those guys are going to have time to replant. So overall, I'd say that rain is pretty beneficial. Beneficial for crops and cattle. Grazing land right now, after these rains, is starting to look better and better. Previously, before the rains, we were real dry, getting real short in our grassland. So we have been seeing some improvement around the area, but there's still a long way to go and much more rain is needed. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas corn growers are educating urban food bloggers about agriculture. Tom Nicoletti attended an educational event near Houston hosted by Texas corn producers. 
My guest today is David Gibson. He is executive director of the Texas Corn Producers Board. And David, corn producers, along with the Natural Resources Conservation Service, are in partnership to hold this Field to Fork event in southeast Texas. What was the main uh, emphasis and uh, reason for having this event? The primary reason, Tom, is to show our farmers are sustainable that we produce uh, safe food. We take all the efforts we can to preserve soil, water, grow it in a manner that our families eat it just like consumers. And with a lot of the information we see in a lot of the mainstream media, we had decided to target some of these bloggers that a lot of the young household food buyers look to for advice. And it's been a very good process so far. We've had a lot of positive feedback hearing from some of the bloggers as well as just from some general public that it was just good to know that our food was grown local. It was good to know that big fields we see are produced and done in a way that uh, helps lower the use of pesticides and herbicides that produce food that is safe and helps kind of counter some of the myths that are out there in part of the mainstream media. Some of the feedback has been it was good to meet the producers that are growing the food or raising the beef. One of the most common things I heard here at this event was when we talk to these farmers, we find out they're just like us. They're people that get up and go to work every day, and their job is growing the food that we eat. That is David Gibson. He is executive director of the Texas Corn Producers Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. East Texas crops and pastures have gotten a lot more rain than West Texas has. But James Duncan says things are getting a little dry on the eastern half of the state again. This recent past holiday was a joyful time and a good journey for us across northeast Texas into Titus, Red River, and Lamar counties. The grass pastures are in need of rain. We're not as dry as West Texas. We realize that, but it takes a lot of water keep our Bermuda grass varieties uh, producing like they should for our cattle. Corn producers, well, in the particular area where we deal with, Cass County and in Morris County, those counties, we had expected a good crop this year. Everything was going good, even made it through the storms of April. But bam, then comes the dry season. Two weeks of dry weather with high winds has burned a lot of our corn crop up. So We're not as uh, joyful right now or as optimistic as we were in the spring on having an excellent corn crop. Going to be just a little bit slower. Watermelons are slowed somewhat, but still on par to be ready come July the 4th, and that's our target goal. Farmers markets across the area have opened up, and they're doing really well right now, just looking for more red ripe tomatoes. People love good vine ripe tomatoes, and We're just a little low on them, but they'll be there the next couple of weeks, and people will be enjoying them. Prices on purple hull peas, well, I can't tell you what they're going to be if you can find them. I would advise you, if you hadn't already got your order in, you better contact your producer and say, put me on the list for a couple of bushels of purple hull peas, because that's the way they're going to be sold for the most part this year. going to take a big marketing effort on the farmer, but it's also going to take a effort with the purchaser to make sure that they are supplied with the produce that they want here in East Texas this year. Peaches are coming. Early varieties are on time. Not quite as many as we thought they'd be either, but we're going to have some good East Texas peaches when the time comes. 
This is James Duncan from Marshall Farr, Texas Ag Today. If you're interested in the emerging carbon and water markets and the benefits and pitfalls that could come with those, you might want to sign up for the Texas Wildlife Association's annual Private Lands Summit. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And heat stress is a big concern in cattle at this time of year. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Heat stress is a big concern in cattle at this time of year. Dr. Bob Judd says this is especially true for dairy cattle. Dr. Lance Baumgard with Iowa State indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that heat stress can reduce cow productivity, increase death rates, affect milk quality, and overall health. He reports heat stress costs the dairy industry $1.7 billion annually, and he believes addressing heat stress should be the dairyman's biggest priority this time of year. Cows can develop heat stress anytime the temperature is above 72 degrees with 50% humidity, which describes Texas weather at least eight months out of the year. And Dr. Kevin Janney with the University of Minnesota indicates high-producing cows eat more and generate even more heat. He believes the best method to reduce heat is to modify the animal's environment. And he mentions the first thing to monitor is the cow's body temperature. A normal cow should not have a body temperature over 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Be prepared to provide more water as every 20 head should have a separate water source. And this may not be enough. Water consumption can increase 50% in high temperature periods. And a 1,400-pound cow produces 65 pounds of milk needs 36 gallons of water per day at 90 degrees outside air temperature. The veterinarians at Washington State believe that vaccination should not be performed in the heat as this can increase stress. With high temperatures, dry matter intake decreases, and for every one pound of dry matter decrease, there is a decrease in milk production by two pounds. To offset this, it is recommended to feed more often and feed in the cooler times of the day to increase feed intake. Having enough shade is also a critical factor, and every cow needs at least 25 square feet of shade. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you're interested in the emerging carbon and water markets, there's an information summit coming up just for you. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Registration is now underway for the Texas Wildlife Association's annual Private Lands Summit. This year's summit will be July 14th at the JW Marriott in San Antonio. Justin Dreibelbliss, Chief Executive Officer of the Wildlife Association, says this year's theme is Today's Wild West of Ecosystem Services. 
There's an exciting movement out there right now related to ecosystem services. And basically, those are the, the public benefits of land stewardship. And that's clean water, clean air, all the things that we depend on to live every day that come from responsible private land stewardship. And it's an exciting time right now because ecosystem services is, is it's a term that we've used and it's been kind of floating out there for years, but we've never been able to grasp it and quantify it. And the exciting thing is now that technology and just environmental science has caught up to the point where landowners are actually starting to get paid for doing the right thing. And it's something that we want to point out the opportunities to our landowner members, but we also want to with the new emerging market, there's also potential pitfalls out there. And we want to make sure that landowners have the latest information so they can make informed decisions. Speakers will discuss healthy soils and why that matters, water and species mitigation banks, emerging carbon and water markets, conservation for business, merging conservation with the financial world, and more. The Private Land Summit is held in conjunction with TWA's annual convention in San Antonio. You can register for either or both at wildlife2022.com. That is wildlife2022.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market kicked off the week with a lower trade on Monday. So how did things wrap up on Tuesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle traded higher on Tuesday on hopes that feedlots are able to hold the cash market steady. That's according to DTN. Recent rains have also helped to improve market morale. June live cattle up 90 cents to 133.72. August live cattle up $1.22 to 134.12. August feeder cattle up 47 cents to 172.45. September feeder cattle up 20 cents to 174.75. Boxed beef was mixed on Tuesday. Choice up $2.12 to 271.70. Select down 32 cents to $250.77. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. They had a special sale special female replacement sale in San Saba at Ken Jordan's Jordan Cattle Auction. I've got Ken on the line. Ken, describe uh, how many noses you counted and what the quality was like. Larry, we ended up having right at uh, 2,622 head of cattle. Uh, buyers we had were very, very good overall. They were from New Mexico, Oklahoma, Kansas. We had buyers from Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, and Texas, and we had over 720 on the internet. I thought the better flesher, young pairs sold mostly from 1,500 up to 2,175. Given the solid mouth of some of the young pairs, maybe carrying a little less flesh, they brought him where it had been on the size of calves, size of cows, from 1,060 up to 1,475. 
75. So we had several deals of solid mouth F1 tire stripes, pairs that brought from 1,500 to 18 and a quarter. That's some really big calves that were solid mouth. Some of those calves weighed 300, 400 something pounds on those. The better, younger, fleshier kind of fall would be middle bread and shortbread cows. They pretty well sold from 1,200 up to 1,550. The solid mouth cows and cows that were younger, carrying less flesh, that were either sharp, medium, and long bread brought from 810 up to 1175. We had a really good offering of bread heifers, we're on hand, with most being uh, pretty well fall and winter calves being middle to sharp bread. These have pretty arranged, been on the size and kind from 1,075 up to 1,475. The open heifers were extremely good demand with the bigger, longer age heifers. That, a lot of them were ready to breed already, brought from 1,000 up to 1,540. Their lighter weight open heifers brought from 800 to 975, depending on the size and kind. So overall, very, very good active market. A lot better than we had in May. We had some rain down here, growing a little grass, so hopefully it'll continue on. we got some hot days ahead of us, so we'll kind of see what that makes up for us uh, on the long-term layer. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken. Yeah, give us a call, Eric, code 325-372-5159. Get an update on all the rep sales and everything for the market report. You can uh, go to our website at jordancattle.com. Ken, thank you so much. Neighbor, thank you even more for listening to Walking the Pins from Granny Marble's Kitchen Table. We do it on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it together. Good day. June lean hogs were down 80 cents to 108.42. July lean hogs were up 30 cents to 109.27. June class 3 milk was down 4 cents to 24.42 a hundredweight. July class 3 milk up 12 cents to 25.19 a hundredweight. July cotton was down 79 points Tuesday to 136.95. October cotton up 10 points to 128.02. December cotton up 8 points to 119.88. July corn up 14 and a half to 7.57 even. September corn up 11 and a half to 7.25 and three quarters. December corn up 11 and a half to 7.14 even. July hard red wheat down 20 and three quarters at 11.49 and a quarter. September hard red wheat down 20 and a half to 11.56 and a quarter. Natural gas fell five cents Tuesday to 9.37. August natural gas up four cents to 9.35. Crude oil prices increased on Tuesday. July West Texas intermediate crude up $1.48 to 119.98 a barrel. August crude oil up $1.61 to 11.17 and 67 cents a barrel. Analysts say a lot of that price increase is due to expected tight inventories. The Dow up 179 points to 33,095 Tuesday. The S&P 500 up 27 points to 4,149. The Nasdaq up 86 points to 12,147. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.